I guarded Kobe in the garden. Fourth quarter starts. <laughs> and Kobe said you had a great game. <laughs> I swear I looked at the clock like, this 12 minutes? What you talking about? The man come down. You remember he came, shot, fake, shot, fake, threw it off the glass, caught it, threw it to the corner. I'm like, bro, what you want? <laughs> Get to the spot, shot, fake, spin, pivot on the spin back on the foot, drop it off the glass. I'm like, bro, what's going on? checking me out every play every listen counts and every play and listen equals a dollar amount okay I don't beg y'all to be here but it's nice if y'all are here it's King Nona Uncensored man and wow we gonna call this magic versus Steph but we gonna save that for later, for last. We got other important things to talk about first. First thing, own deck. We own deck. Like them baseball niggas say, we own deck. Yo, I saw this story on Facebook, man. It's The page is called The Cracks. And this is gonna sound very gossip column but it fucked me up and I had to bring it up. Now, if your name is Tim Duncan, do not listen to this portion of the show. Please fast forward. But the San Antonio Spurs is a decorated organization. And no, I'm not writing this. This is, this is just me talking. All freestyle, baby, off the top. The San Antonio Spurs are one of the more class organizations in American history. In any sport, I'd put their organization up against any sports organization ever. Now, if you've been an avid listener of my show since King Known talking shit, y'all know that I did not 
I hated Tim Duncan the most out of any NBA player because he beat my teams. That's just a very simple thing as to why. That's a good explanation because he would beat Kobe. He would beat my Pistons. You know what I'm saying? But now, there was a story that was kept under wraps that was very interesting about San Antonio. Now, I remember the story with Tony Parker fucking around with Brent Berry's wife. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember Tony Parker was messing around with Brent Berry's wife? He got caught, and his wife at the time, who was popping at the time, she was on Real Housewives, you know what I'm saying, or some shit. Oh, Desperate Housewives, my bad. Yeah, that show was so old. Like, I knew I was going to get it wrong. But Desperate Housewives, Eva Longoria, she was one of the hottest chicks in the game. And Tony Parker cheated on her. I seen Brent Berry wife. She not a looker. No disrespect to that lady, but to me, to me, to me, y'all. Don't get offended. She's not a looker. She not. She don't look better than Eva Longoria. I remember... You know, they kept that story under wraps. Tony Parker and Brent Berry won a championship together. But the story that was kept under wraps for real was this Tim Duncan story about, you know, his wife. Now, we know that he divorced his wife. That's all we know. But we don't know why he divorced his wife. There were two sides of this. His wife, you know, during the divorce proceedings claimed that Tim Duncan had a gay partner. This was not confirmed. And Tim did not confirm or deny this allegation. Now, personally, do I think Tim Duncan is gay? Absolutely not. There is no way in hell that Tim Duncan is gay. Murder. I don't believe you. No, he's not gay. I don't think so. But that was what his wife was alleging. And then, next up, Tim Duncan accused his wife of fucking his teammate, man. And everybody knows this guy. And it, and the teammate's name was Robert Ori. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Robert Ori, niggas. Like, because Tim Duncan felt like his second child, especially, was not his. Because he felt like, I haven't had sex with my wife in years. How was she pregnant? And then it all came to him. Robert Orr used to be at his house all the time. And it wasn't to see Tim. It was to see his wife. And I was flabbergasted. And the cracks um, confirmed 
that him and Ori had like a combative relationship and every time they saw each other, it was a confrontation. And Tim Duncan is the most non-confrontational individual that I've ever seen, at least. I don't know about y'all. Because, you know, he made a career of him being so laid back and just not being emotional and not necessarily reacting to anything. Like, even when he got a technical foul, like, he didn't even react. He just laughed. And he got a technical foul for laughing. Tim Duncan is too cool for school. He's one of the nicest people on the planet. And Robert Ory decides to fuck his wife. You wonder, you wonder why Robert Ory was hitting that, bro? He just felt like Tim Duncan ain't gonna do shit. He a nice guy. And Tim Duncan promptly divorced her. Now, I don't know if her and Ori are together or was this a creep thing? Like, he would, you know, Tim Duncan would come home and be like, why the fuck is Robert Ori here? What the fuck's going on with y'all? She would say nothing. She would just be like, we're just friends. Oh, don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. Just like, just like all women do. I just just literally had a conversation about the don't worry about him guy. And I was always the don't worry about him guy. But yeah, man, like what the fuck? I couldn't believe it. Now, I can believe that Robert Ori is a scumbag. He exhibits those qualities. Because I've seen his interviews, I've seen him sitting on panels with other ball players discussing the game. Now, Robert Ori has a great sports opinion, but he's very arrogant and very cocky. I mean, he the, the man has won seven NBA championships and has never lost in the NBA Finals. You know, Big Shot Bob is a role player, one of the best role players to ever do this thing. Big shot Bob, and he shot his shot with Tim Duncan's wife. Yeah, man. Hey, yo, Robert Ory, man. Hey, yo, he's a real scumbag. Hey, we got to arrest this dude. Hey, that was my iced tea impression. Yeah, Robert Ory, we got to take him out. He's a real scumbag. <laughs> but I could not believe that story, man. That's fucked up, man. And he won a championship with Duncan. I think he won two championships with Tim Duncan. Because I do recall him winning two with Houston, three with the Lakers, and two with the San Antonio Spurs. That's crazy. That had to be awkward. You know, this was going on all at the same time. And the Spurs organization was class. When Kobe caught that case... We all knew they couldn't keep that shit under wraps. When we found out about the Portland Jailblazers, about Paul Pierce getting stabbed, that shit came out. This shit here did not come out for years. 
that's a crazy situation. I just couldn't believe it. I'm I'm still in shock just thinking about it. Now speaking of cheating, Steve Harvey, man, it was all over the news, all over the internet. A lot of these African publications were reporting this shit. So there was this rumor going around that Marjorie Harvey was introduced to Steve Harvey by his bodyguard slash chef, Big Boom. That's the dude's name, Big Boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Boom, boom, bam, got damn. So Big Boom was accused of sleeping with Marjorie Harvey. Now I had to wait and let this story breathe a little bit because I wasn't sure about it. Now both have come out and denied these claims. You know, Steve Harvey was at some sort of press conference and he was like, oh hell no, Big Boom, Boom wouldn't sleep with my wife. Top five answers on a boy. <laughs> Top five answers. What position did Big Boom have my wife in? Doggy, doggy style. Doggy style. That's the number one answer. But for real. Looking at all the evidence, I mean, it sounds like some Steve Harvey shit because, you know, he, you know, Steve Harvey worships Marjorie Harvey. That man drinks that lady's bathwater. And, you know, and the also the rumor was that Marjorie was filing for divorce as well and wanted half of his $400 million empire. like this sound like some Steve Harvey shit not gonna lie but looking back at everything I don't think it's true I think it's a hoax because you know documents would have surfaced a lot of things would have came out you know a lot of stars and their wives slash husbands all of that shit would have leaked everything would have just came out so I don't know man would I be surprised if Big Boom slept with Marjorie Harvey no I would not no I would not it's not shocking or surprising But, yeah, I think it's a hoax. I don't believe the story, even though it sounds believable. We all know Marjorie Harvey's background. We're not going to get to that because the story is about Steve. Not his wife, but then again, she's a part of it, so... Yeah, man, I think it's a hoax. But I hope I'm wrong, though, because 
to be honest with you, Steve Harvey deserves this. Like the way that he left his two other wives was was terrible. And he's got karma staring, looking at you at the door. Anyway, moving on. Kawhi and Paul George are directly speaking with James Harden about how he can get to the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers have been the most interested team and the most invested team in James Harden's services. But the problem is Philadelphia does not want to trade him and they want to keep him this upcoming season. And I'm, But the Clippers don't want to sign him as a free agent because they have a lot of pieces. You know, they would have to move a lot of pieces to fit Harden's contract alongside Kawhi and Paul George because neither one of those two are going anywhere anytime soon. So you have to take into account that um, something drastic is going to have to transpire. And Daryl Morey, I mean, Daryl Morey has tried to trade James Harden. I'm convinced about that. But nobody wants him and nobody could come up with the, the right deal to go get them, to go get James. But Kawhi and Paul George being in direct contact with James Harden shows that pro some sort of progress has been made on the situation. All right. Bum disputed. I mean, undisputed. I mean, crumb disputed. Uh, Y'all get the gist. Skip Bayless is back, baby. He is back. Now, I want y'all to go on my Kingdom NBA and Music Talk page on YouTube and check out my uh, newest video that I posted on YouTube. And you can look at the video on Rumble. And yes, I have a Rumble account, y'all. Rumble seems to be the new hot shit where it gives you more creative freedom than, than YouTube does. So I'll be posting videos on YouTube, Rumble, and TikTok. So feel free to go on the page and take a look at one minute previews of all my segments. So yes, my Rumble account is official. Skip Bayless, assemble his dream team. I already reported this about, you know, Skip Bayless, Keyshawn Johnson, Michael Irvin, and Richard Sherman, and Lil Wayne. However, I have not watched uh, Shannon Sharp and uh, Stephen A. Smith yet. I'll give you my thoughts on their camaraderie soon. I just don't like first take. I just don't. I think first take is shitty. I've always liked Undisputed more than First Take. First Take fell off. Ever since Carrie uh, Champion and Jamel Hill and motherfucking Jalen Rose left undis uh, uh, left First Take, I ain't really fuck with it no more. And ever since Skip Bayless left First Take, I wasn't fucking with it no more. But I watched bits and pieces of their a couple of their uh, segments and um, the football segments were good even though 
the the one thing that I didn't like that was cringeworthy was just the fact that they were just over talking each other and they wouldn't let each other get to each other's points. That's kind of that was kind of cringy. But other than that, though, I definitely enjoyed the football the football things that they were talking about because three out of the four guys play NFL football and have won Super Bowls. So, yeah, man. My thoughts on the show, it's mid. It's okay. Which leads me to my next segment, though. Michael Irvin completed, completely violated Michael Jordan. You know what this fool said about MJ? This man said, MJ at no point in his career, especially the older and 38-year-old version of Michael Jordan could not lead the 2022-2023 Los Angeles Lakers to the conference finals. Are you fucking kidding me right now? He said MJ at no point in his career. That's crazy to say. But I'm not even going to go there because we all know prime Michael Jordan is the best player that we've ever seen. We ain't even got to talk about shit. About who's the greatest basketball player of all time. It's Mike. It's not even close at this particular point right now. Anybody think other is ignorant. But let's just focus on 38-year-old Mike. Let's just focus on 38-year-old Michael Jordan. Because, you know, I already did this in the Undisputed, uh, the Book of Excuses video. But I want to do it live on my show as well. To get a more in-depth look at this. When he was 38 in the 2001-2002 season... Michael Jordan averaged 23 points per game. 22.9 is 23. It rounds out. Stop it. He averaged a steal a game, 5.2 assists per game, 5.7 rebounds per game, which is six, which is six, y'all. So you mean to tell me this is a man that's never averaged less than 20 points in a season his whole entire career even the season where he played recovering from a broken foot where he only played 18 games even after taking a whole season off a whole season and a half off Michael Jordan came back and averaged 27.7 rebounds and five assists. So you mean to tell me a 38-year-old Mike that was averaging 23 points, five assists, and six rebounds couldn't lead. If you take LeBron off of the Lakers and you put MJ there, 
He couldn't lead them to the conference finals. Are you fucking kidding me? If they had Mike at the beginning of the season, I'll tell you what. First things first, they wouldn't have traded Mark Russell Westbrook. They wouldn't have had to go get D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. Russ would have been motivated. You know, Russ is a player that may not be as controlled and held back. But Russ with Michael Jordan and Pat Bev too? Now say for example, okay. The trade still happens. They still get D'Lo. They still get Beasley. They still get Vanderbilt. Austin Reeves does rise up the ranks. If you look at that team, D'Angelo Russell can argue for the best guard that Michael Jordan has played alongside. Because I know a lot of y'all will want to argue um, Orlando Woolrich. Wasn't he a, a three? Wasn't he a small four? And Quinn Daly, I think he was also a three. So if you're looking at, and then I know a lot of y'all would say Ron Harper. Ron Harper in Chicago was not Ron Harper in Cleveland. Ron Harper was still solid. He would show up for you and he would do anything that you would ask him to do. But he wasn't the dominant scorer he was in his prime before his injuries. Now, however, D'Angelo Russell would be the best guard, the most offensively talented guard that Jordan has ever played with. He's played with John Paxson, Steve Kerr, Judd Bushler, Randy Brown, BJ Armstrong. None of these guys are superstars. I mean, BJ Armstrong was an all-star, but Michael Jordan wasn't there that season when he was voted on the all-star team. That is a fact. Hate it or love it. But D'Angelo Russell would be the most talented guard that Jordan would have played with if he was a Laker. Then Austin Reeves. I mean, you could argue who's better between him and Harper based on Austin Reeves' performance last season. Because when Reeves is on... And when Reeves is focused, he's hard to stop. Offensively, his game is so smooth. Pause. But his game is laid back. But the dude gets buckets. Kind of underrated on the defensive end as well, in my personal opinion. Michael Jordan never played with a guy like Austin Reeves that rose up the ranks, went up the lineup, and ended up, you know, basically a starter after a while. And then not to mention, last but not least, Michael Jordan has never played with a talented big man on the caliber of Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis would easily be the best big man 
that MJ has played with. And not to mention, this would be the best bench that Michael Jordan ever had. With Dennis Schroeder, Rui Hashimura. You know what I'm saying? Jordan's benches, they were okay. But they were reliable. I can say that. But this Lakers bench last year, they held it down while Braun and AD was out the lineup. They was cooking. Lonnie Walker, like, come on, man. Lonnie Walker has game enough to be the sixth man of the year. He has that type of caliber of play. And he played like that during the playoffs last year in, in a lot of big games. Because Walker, when the Lakers filled out that team, you know what I'm saying? When they filled out that team, Lonnie Walker was buried on the bench. Lonnie Walker had had a good season up until the end. And you mean to tell me that Mike, even in his prime, couldn't take this team? Shit. 38-year-old Mike would have won a championship with this group because he's got relief. He's got Anthony Davis, who's probably going to average more points than him. He's got D'Angelo Russell, who for certain stretches is reliable with his jump shot. Austin Reeves can create his own shot just like D'Angelo can and hit open jump shots. Malik Beasley, although he was trash uh, this year, you know, he's an open shot maker, a 3 and D guy. But Michael Jordan, who many consider the greatest of all time. And then Michael Irvin's argument, you know, I, I, I say it's the crack. It's that dope. It's that dope, man. It's that nose candy. It's the nose candy. But um, he said his argument is Michael Jordan's individual talent would outshine the team. What? Michael Jordan played in a system. You know, when Doug Collins was his coach, you could say 80, you could say 88 Mike would be more obsessed with his individual accolades and stuff. But Michael Jordan knew that individual shit did not win championships. It's teamwork and it makes the dream work. MJ knew that um his individual play was not going to work. He just knew. And he changed his game around to fit Phil's triangle offense. And then him averaging five assists for a two guard, incredible. He would have probably averaged like eight assists with these guys. There will be so many open shots. So, Michael Irvin, get off that crack, man. 
But other than that, I mean, when those guys talk about football, they're very comfortable and very articulate when they break shit down. But when it comes down to all other sports, I don't think they should talk about it. I think Skip Bayless should make Undisputed an NFL-related show. And then leave the basketball to the Michael Wilbons, to the Jalen Roses, who is no longer there now. To the Perks, to the goddamn Richard Jeffersons. Leave that shit to them. And then what got me is like Richard Sherman's excuse making for LeBron and Keyshawn. Like they were all making excuses for LeBron James. Like that, what was an excuse is highly documented on my book of excuses video. All right, let's move on. The Milwaukee Bucks are signing guard Ty Ty Washington Jr. to a two-way contract. So he's back. He's good. He could be back and forth to the G League depending on his performance in training camp. Ty Ty Washington has bounced around the league in such a young career. Like he was legitimate, literally, he was literally a rookie last year on the uh, Houston Rockets. And all of a sudden, he was on Atlanta, he was on OKC, and now he has finally found a home in Milwaukee because I believe that the Hawks cut Ty Ty Washington Jr. quickly to create roster space. Which is wild. JaVale McGee. Christian Wood. I mean, the sweepstakes are still on. Christian Wood, we have no idea on where his next home is going to be. Word is that nobody really wants to pay Christian Wood what he feels he's worth. They want to sign Christian Wood to a veteran's minimum. At least the contenders. And then JaVel McGee was officially released from the Dallas Mavericks and the Sacramento Kings have interest in JaVale McGee. Hey, I don't know what y'all waiting for. Sacramento need to scoop him up before the Lakers do, before the Warriors do. You know what I'm saying? Better scoop him up very quickly. I mean, Mark Spears reported this shit. <laughs> So you know it's got to be true. But if JaVale McGee clears waivers, the Sacramento Kings will sign this guy. And I hope that this is true. This is what I didn't know. I don't know if I reported this or not, but the Mavericks signed Derrick Jones Jr. to a one-year deal. Wow. The Mavericks need a guy like Derrick Jones Jr. that could attack the basket. Josh Green 
is one of those players, but I don't know. I like Jones Jr. He can play the three and the four and the two. And this is bolstering up their roster now. Now the Dallas Mavericks roster is looking more complete by the day. As you know, I mean, we know it's going to be Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in the starting lineup. And then we know Dwight Powell's going to be the starting center. But who are going to be the three and the four? That's, I mean, I think Grant Williams is going to start at four. I think that's probably why they signed him. And Boston wouldn't match that contract. They signed him to start him. So Grant Williams probably gonna start over there. Meanwhile, that three spots open. Could it be Oliver Maxence Prosper? Could it be Derek Jones Jr. that slides into that three spot? Could it be um, Seth Curry that makes this a small ball lineup? Could it? I mean, Derek Lively, Maxie Kleber, like. Dallas is pretty deep. Warren G was on Drink Champs, man. Warren G is an underrated rapper, in my opinion, throughout the 90s. He was affiliated with Snoop Dogg and Nate Dogg. He was in a group with them called 213. They started out together. And Snoop Dogg and Nate Dogg got signed. And Warren G got left behind. And Def Jam was in a transitioning period. And Warren G came through the building and signed him. You know, you know, Def Jam signed him and he literally saved the company. And they have the financial records to back that shit up. Which is amazing. Def Jam is an East Coast label. You got a West Coast guy. And this is when the West was dominating. You know, Warren G came out with Regulate the G-Funk era in 1994 with, you know, he's most known for a single Regulate with Nate Dogg. So he had a Drink Champs episode and he talked about a lot of various things that went on in his career. It's definitely worthy of watching. You know, I definitely enjoy Warren G's laid-back music and production. He's one of the greatest producers of all time. Like, he named things that I didn't know he, he even produced. I didn't know he produced Gotta Get Yours by uh, Tupac and MC Breed. I did not know he produced that. That was news to my, to my ears. Now, let's get to this Magic Johnson and Steph Curry thing. Now, I know I did a video about it on my YouTube page. I did a live video, but it was kind of fucked up. It didn't detail the full comparison. And I wasn't even trying to do a full comparison video. I was really just trying to take a few minutes to speak on it. But now, you know, I'm not, I'm outside, but I'm not outside. If you catch my drift. 
Now we can do the career comparisons. Now, a lot of people are saying Steph is better than Magic right now. And I'm not sure. I mean, there's an argument for both guys. I mean, me personally, I rank Magic number four all time. And I rank Steph Curry number eight all time. I mean, Magic and Steph have a similar plight. And I'll give you, you know, the reasons. Magic and Steph have had bolstered teams. But here's the difference, though. The Lakers organically built that team, though. They found their building piece in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was him and Jamal Wilkes at first. Throughout the late 70s, early 80s, they were getting through the playoffs, but they weren't winning the championship. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was about to be considered another Wilt Chamberlain. A person who underachieved until Irvin Magic Johnson was drafted at the age of 18. And at the age of 19, Magic Johnson won Rookie of the Year, Finals MVP, And the championship in the same year. And, you know, he's known for that classic game six in 1980 performance without Kareem, who, who played the first five games, granted. And Magic was voted the finals MVP. So he deserves, like, major props for this. He does. You've got to give a shout-out. magic for that and he did this early meanwhile Stephen Curry in the early part of his career was injuring his ankle you know he was you know the draft scouts deemed him too small and said that he wouldn't last and Stephen Curry defied the odds and became a centerpiece to a dynasty just like magic a lot of people can argue Magic had Kareem for most of his career and had never won a championship without Kareem. That's a good argument. And Steph, despite having Kevin Durant, who is not on the same caliber as, you know, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, So, I mean, um, this is interesting, man. Magic and Steph also have in common loaded teams. Now, Magic has the had the luxury of playing with Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, Jamal Wilkes, Michael Thompson, Kurt Rambis, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Bob McAdoo, Norm Nixon, loaded teams. They all weren't on the same team at the same time. I get it. But Magic has had a stellar cast in all of his championships. In 
and there was that was the one year he went back to the NBA Finals and played against Michael Jordan. Where he didn't have the best cast, but Magic carried that team to the Finals. I mean, he had help, don't get me wrong. I mean, he still had James Worthy, who I didn't mention. My bad. He had James Worthy. You know, he had Sam Perkins, Vladi Divac, Byron Scott. Solid team. So you have to factor everything in. You just have to. Stephen Curry has played with Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, Matt Barnes, David West, David Lee, Leandro Barbosa, Andre Iguodala. This was like Andre Iguodala came when he was like at the end of his prime. Still effective though. Still effective. Still effective. Play with Jordan Poole. The Poole Party. Andrew Wiggins. All good players. Not to mention, when Stephen Curry has had tougher competition than Magic. I definitely measure a nigga by the competition that they play. Steph Curry had competition in his own conference. You know, he's had to face off against James Harden and Chris Paul in the Rockets. He's had to face off against Lob City Clippers with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. He's had to face off against the Grindhouse Grizzlies with, um, you know, Conley with Rudy Gay and and um, Zach and Mark Gasol and Tony Allen. He's had to face off against um, the San Antonio Spurs and Kawhi Leonard and Tim Duncan and Ginobili and Parker and all them. had to face off against the Mavericks when it was Dirk and Luka. Has had to face off against um, the Denver Nuggets with Jokic in them. Damian Lillard in Portland. You know, I think that Steph had tougher competition because Magic's competition in his conference wasn't as, as steep. Their competition was the Boston Celtics. You know, the league was about Magic and Bird. But Steph Curry changed the game on his own. Magic and them only competition was the Houston Rockets. The Rockets version with Moses Malone who was the lower seed that, you know, knocked off Magic Johnson and them in the first round.
Then they played against, they lost against Hakeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson version of the Rockets. But there was really nobody else to really challenge them except maybe the Portland Trailblazers, but that was a little bit later on. Not during the early and mid-80s. It was all about Magic and Bird, Magic and Bird. That's what it was all about. Then my Detroit Pistons interrupted that show with some stellar play of their own. So Steph had tougher competition even though the Lakers didn't necessarily monopolize like they did with Steph Curry and KD. The Lakers built their team. They traded for picks. They traded for Kareem. They um, signed. They, they drafted Magic. Some of the, I mean, the first version of the Warriors was definitely organic. But adding Kevin Durant was monopolizing due to the fact that Durant had his own team in Oklahoma City. He did. He had his own team in Oklahoma City, and he broke up that team and left Westbrook there stranded. Lucky Sam Presti's a genius. Look at Magic's numbers, man, because there's this discrepancy that's going on that Magic would be Ben Simmons in this era. Like, whoever said that did not watch Magic Johnson play ball. I'm convinced. And then, you have to also remember... Stephen Curry stole this era from LeBron by winning more championships than LeBron in his own era. Magic and Bird were the era. Let's look at their accomplishments. Let's see something. Now, Stephen Curry's a nine-time All-Star, a four-time NBA champ, a two-time MVP, a two-time scoring champ, a nine-time All-NBA and a nine-time All-Star on the NBA 75 team, the 2016 Steals champ, 29, 20, 2009, 2010 All-Rookie team, and he's the All-Star Game MVP of 2022. Let's look at Magic's accomplishments. Magic is a four-time assist champ, ladies and gentlemen. Four times. Two-time steel champ. Five-time NBA champ. 12-time All-Star. 10-time All-NBA. 1979-1980 All-Rookie Team. Three-time Finals MVP. Three-time MVP. Two-time All-Star MVP. And was on 
the uh, NBA 75 team. And, of course, he's in the Hall of Fame. Judging by those accomplishments that are in your face, it seems like Magic has the edge. But with me reading off Stephen Curry's accomplishments, it shows that Steph is not too far behind. But Steph isn't too far behind for Magic, though. I mean, Magic is 5-4 and four in the finals. Steph is 4-2 and two in the finals, I believe. Because he only lost once to LeBron and the other time to Kawhi Leonard and him. I mean, but Kawhi had a fully healthy team, you know. Steph and them lost KD. And him and Kawhi was going at it before KD uh, tore his Achilles, man. That was a sad situation. This nigga damn near died for the Warriors and did not want to bring him back. That was crazy. And he left, and, and it was all because of Draymond. But Magic, Magic a bad motherfucker, man. He a top five dude. I don't think Steph has reached top five quite yet. But it's actually closer than what people are assuming. You know, I even thought before I fully researched both of their careers that Magic was killing Steph. Because this is not to slight Steph or diss him. I just just think Magic was better. I mean, especially, you know, the discrepancy is how each played the point guard position. I mean, Magic averaged 11 assists per game for his career. And almost 20 points per game. Stephen Curry averages just under seven assists for his career. So you got to sit there and, and really think about it and analyze these guys for what they accomplished and what they've done. As I told you before, there are very similar traits and qualities both guys everybody says that Steph is not a point guard Steph is not a point guard because his job description uh, requires him to be off the ball I've watched Stephen Curry play basketball ladies and gentlemen I have and I've seen him play the point guard position well I've seen him with multiple 10 assist games I've seen him push the ball up the court and set up the play. Now, yes, Draymond Green is their primary play setter. I agree. But he's not the leader of the team, which is a job of a point guard. He doesn't rally, you know, Draymond doesn't rally the team together. That's the job of a point guard. You know, Stephen Curry has Jason Kidd demand. 
And Magic definitely was a leader for sure. You know, Kareem throughout maybe Magic's first half of his career, you could say was the leader of the team. And Kareem helped, uh, handed the reins to Magic after maybe 84 or 85. You know, you remember, originally they was calling him Tragic Johnson because they won the first year, and then the second year, they went out in the first round. Steph Curry took a while, but once they put a good team around Steph, it was on and popping. If you're asking me who I want on my team, I'm taking Magic. Because he is the ultimate point guard. And, you know, can run that. You know, Magic would be perfect in this era. And Magic can score. That's a that's a crazy misconception because his second season, he averaged 22 points per game. On a team where Kareem was still the star player. In the 87 season, he averaged 24 points per game and 12 assists. 88-89 averaged just over, just under 23 points per game. Magic can score if it's called upon him. Even in his last season in 1996, at the age of 36, Magic averaged 15 and seven assists and six rebounds off the bench. And the crazy part about all this is Stephen Curry's career is not over. Like if he wins a couple of more championships, he could pass Magic Johnson and knock him down a few slots. Steph's got to get a couple rings, a couple more rings and some finals MVPs. The uh, accomplishments are eye level. But my choice for who's better is simply magic. All right. That's my show. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. I want to thank y'all for coming through and uh, fucking with me. It's King Known Uncensored. Steph, Steph versus Magic. And I'm out.